Please bow our heads. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth, find wisdom. And in your will, discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to the uh, Blue Lake Presbyterian Church, and thank you all for coming out this morning. Our today's message is titled, Hope. Helen Keller once said, nothing can be done without hope or confidence. Whipshire's dictionary defines hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen and a desire accompanied by expectation. A hope manifests itself in many ways. And let me illustrate this with an example. This week, a B-17 flying fortress, a B-24 liberator, among uh, other World War II airplanes, visited the Humboldt County Airport for a couple of days. They had set up some tours. And some folks even took the 30-minute ride on the airplane, on the B-17 and the B-24. But on Monday morning, that B-17 flew right over the farm in Arcadia. And upon hearing these loud, roaring engines, we ran out of the office to see this B-17. It reminded me of the stories from my parents who lived through World War II. We heard those war stories virtually every evening around the dinner table about Holland being occupied by the Germans, about the brutal Nazi regime subjugating the people in Holland and the rest of Europe. We heard about the deportation of the Jews, the deportations of all of those who opposed the, the Nazi regime. We heard about the young males that were rounded up and forced to work in the factories in Germany. As I stood there on that Monday morning, hearing that B-17 flying over, I tried to imagine what my parents must have felt when squadrons of up to a thousand of those airplanes would fly over Holland on their way to Germany to do the bombing raids. It must have been the quintessential harbinger of hope. Hope that the Allied forces ultimately would bring an end to the occupation. A hope that would bring an end to World War II, which eventually happened in May of 1945. The other day, I was talking to a contractor. He had done some work for PG&E. Then he shared when PG&E filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy earlier this year that he was devastated with the thought that he wouldn't receive any money for all the work that he had done. Then he received a letter from someone interested 
in buying his receivable at a discount. That letter gave him hope that possibly there may be a way to at least recover some of that money. Then the other night, I was watching a program on TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, the world's largest Christian television network, and America's most watched faith and family channel. TBN broadcasted a program about their affiliate in Vietnam, about bringing the gospel message to this country of nearly 100 million people, and how their outreach has touched countless souls. TBN's tagline is taking hope and grace to a desperate world. Hope is like an anchor. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.19, hope is the anchor of the soul. Friends, no matter what the conditions may be, let us be anchored to hope. Hope is like a foundation. Hope is like a fresh water river in the middle of an arid land. Hope is like a flush forest in an oasis in the middle of a desert. Hope is like a shining light in the darkness. Naval architect and inventor Steve Callahan describes how he survived 76 days on a life raft in the Atlantic Ocean. Callahan recounts his ordeal in a best-selling book titled Adrift, 76 Days Lost at Sea. He took his 21-foot boat that he had designed and built himself out to sea. But about seven days later, he found himself in the middle of a huge storm in the Atlantic. His vessel had been badly damaged by an unknown object. The boat had filled with water and was overwhelmed by the breaking waves, the breaking seas. Callahan escaped in a six-foot life raft. His lowest days were the days that he could not see the possibility of being rescued. But the thing that kept Stephen Callahan alive was hope. Someone said, man can live for 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only seconds without hope. In his book, The Grand Essentials, Ben Patterson tells about a submarine that was hit off the coast of Massachusetts. It sank immediately, and the entire crew was trapped inside this sub. A deep-sea driver was going down and was doing everything in his power to find a way for the crew's escape. When he was there at that sub, he heard tapping on the steel wall on the inside of that sub. And he soon realized they were tapping a Morse code. 
and it spelled out a message. And the message kept re- repeating itself with the same question. And the question was, is there any hope? Now, we may not realize it, but we cannot live without hope. In 1942, Viktor Frankl, a prominent Jewish psychiatrist and neurologist from Vienna, was arrested and transported to a Nazi camp, a concentration camp, with his wife and parents. Three years later, the camp was liberated. And most of his family had perished. But Frankel was one of the fortunate people to survive a Nazi concentration camp. Right after the war, he wrote his best-selling book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he wrote it about the experiences in those concentration camps. As a trained psychiatrist, he was fascinated by some of his fellow prisoners wasted away and died, while others remained strong and survived. He concluded, we cannot stay healthy if we do not have hope in the future. Frankl wrote in his book, life in a concentration camp exposes your soul's foundation. Only a few of the prisoners were able to keep their inner liberty and inner strength. Life only has meaning if any circumstances, if we have hope that neither suffering, circumstances, nor death itself can destroy. So what does the Bible say about hope? The word hope is mentioned 126 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the story of Job refers to hope 16 times. In the Psalms, David conveys hope at least 22 times. For instance, in Psalm 43.5, David writes, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again. My Savior and my God. Our opening hymn this morning was Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. Our hope for years to come. He will be our God while life shall last and our eternal home. Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 49.23, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Now, Paul's letter to the Romans highlights hope more than any other book in the New Testament. The roadmap to hope is best articulated in the fifth chapter of Romans. And this is what brings us to today's reading, Romans 5, 
verses 1 through 5, which can be found in your pew Bible in the second half on page 155, and I'll give you a moment to look that up. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace, in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The year is 57 AD. Paul is on his third missionary journey. He has spent three months in Corinth. This bustling city, this bustling seaport in Greece. But now he finds himself at an important crossroad. He has never visited the believers in Rome. He's already pretty far west, possibly as far west as he has ever been. In other words, a perfect opportunity to take the ferry from Corinth to the coast of Italy and visit Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire. But Paul also has another pressing issue to take care of. And that was taking the financial contributions made by the Macedonian Christians to the suffering church in Jerusalem. What is he to do? Going farther west or head back east to Jerusalem? Well, by the grace of God, he decided to go to Jerusalem and write a letter to those Christians in Rome instead. It was Paul's intent to visit them after his obligation of delivering that money in Jerusalem was done. Well, Paul eventually finds himself in Rome, but not on his own accord, but instead in chains. After being arrested in Jerusalem for allegedly allowing Gentiles onto the inner court of the temple grounds. The letter he wrote to the Romans was not a quick note written on the back of an envelope. It turned out to be one of his most significant, magnificent letters of the entire New Testament. May consider it his magnum opus, his greatest work. It is a blueprint for Christian living. In the first verse of chapter 5, Paul starts with, Therefore. Well, therefore what? He is harking back to the narrative in the previous chapter where he describes Abraham 
receiving the grace of God. Not by what he did, but because of his faith. Because of his belief in God. Years later, in his letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he reiterates this premise with even more clarity. So Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. Our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who can rescue us. Then verse 2 starts with, we boast. Well, that word boast sends chills down my spine. I was raised in a tradition to disdain boasting. My parents grew up during the Depression. They lived a humble life and instilled the values of grace and humility. And boasting was considered an abomination. My mom would say, your needs may be great, but you get by with a little. Or just be yourself. That's crazy enough. The Bible says in Proverbs 27.1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you, no, you do not know what a day may bring. Let an other one praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. So what is Paul boasting about? He writes, we boast in our hope. Of sharing the glory of God. Well that right there gives it an entirely different spin. Boasting about hope. Of sharing the glory of God. Removes any type of a puffed up or haughty connotation. Then in verse 3. He boasts in his sufferings. Well, Paul could tell us some stories about sufferings. And he did. In his letter to the Corinthians, he gives a full account of his suffering. In his own words, Paul writes, Five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea on frequent journeys. In dangers of rivers, dangers from bandits, dangers from my fellow Jews, from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, at sea, dangers among false believers, in toil and hardship. Through many sleepless nights, through hunger and thirst, I have gone without food. I have been cold and without clothes. And this is all in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27. And according to Acts 28, 5, he even got bit 
by a viper. So when Paul talks about boasting and suffering, he talks with authority. And it provides a new dimension what boasting and suffering truly means. Then he goes on, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Paul builds up to this climax, to the ultimate keynote of the message, leading to one overriding theme, and that is hope. Then in verse 5, he says, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Now, wait a minute. In verse 1, Paul describes the peace of God through Jesus Christ. Then in verse 5, he writes the love of God through the Holy Spirit. These verses in Romans 5 are the epitome of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, today, on the church calendar, is Trinity Sunday. And I presume it's no coincidence that these verses in Romans happen to be in the lectionary today. Max Lucado tells a story of a guy getting lost in the wilderness. He has no backpack, no equipment, no direction. He feels completely out of his element. He is out of solutions. He feels out of hope. For many people, life is like a jungle. There may be no trees or wild animals. But instead, we have failing health, broken hearts, empty wallets, hospital walls, complaints from neighbors. And instead of wild animals, our predators are our creditors. It's a jungle out there. And for some, even many, hope is in short supply. Hopelessness is a burden. It's like carrying this heavy burden. But yet, it is painfully empty. We need a person who can give us direction, who can give us vision, who can give us encouragement, who can give us hope. We need a rescuer, a savior. Paul writes about hope that comes from the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, brings the ultimate hope. The jungle is still the jungle. That hasn't changed. But we have. We have changed because we 
have hope. Hope because we have met someone who can lead us out of our mess, out of the jungle. He can lead us out of our predicaments. Are you lost? Have you lost hope? A man is deep in the jungle, in an African safari. The guy in front of him has a machete and he's just whacking away all the underbrush. The man walking behind him is hot and he's getting weary. And he asked the guide in frustration, where are we? Do you know where you are taking me? Where is the path? Then the guide puts down his machete, turns around and says, I am the path. We ask Jesus where he is taking us, seemingly sometimes on a crazy journey. Smack through the middle of that jungle. But Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus doesn't just give us hope while we are in the middle of the jungle. But he restores our hope by giving himself. He died for us. And he provides us. With the king, key. He provides us with the key to the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus promised, I will always be with you. In a little bit, we will be singing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground, is sinking sand. Are we putting our hope in the things of the world? The things that will ultimately disappoint us? Or do we put our hope in Jesus? Friends, put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He will lead us on that narrow path through the narrow gate to the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.